0: So, yeah, amen. Jesus, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence here, that you're speaking. You're going to continue to speak, and I pray that your word would hit us, and it would change us, that you'd help us to understand it well, and that we would grow today in knowing you and what you're all about. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple weeks ago, um, I taught on the third the third. I'm being guided from Haiti. The third aspect of orphan mentality, right? Being afraid of commitment. So this is going to be a continuation of that message. At the end of that one, um, we talked about Moses and how he was committed. He was opposite. Even though he was an orphan, he was extremely committed to what God had placed in front of him. Um, and that that's our model. Him who was a representation of Jesus to come really he was the foreshadow of Jesus to come in the Old Testament but just an example of he stuck with complaining a nation of complaining people not just one or two complaining people a nation of more than 600,000 people probably a million people that were complaining and he was the only one who was not And yet he stayed with them for 40 years in the desert. And he cried out to God multiple times on their behalf because God was about to wipe them out a couple of times because they were so hard-hearted. They were so stiff-necked. And Moses shows compassion and says, God, don't do that. Blot my name out. Again, a representation of Jesus. This shows the immense love That God has for us. Moses was showing that and he was just a man. But a man filled with the love of God that had been tested and tried. So today we're going to be talking about being satisfied in his presence. Being satisfied with his presence. Exodus 33, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's in the top three. Exodus 33, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. So Moses is on the mountain with the Lord. Go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, To the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning. And none of them put on their ornaments. So this this first four verses of Exodus 33, we're going to backtrack to see what got them to that place. But this first four verses, God is speaking to Moses. And we all know God led the Israelites out of Egypt to go into the promised land. So they have this mind. We're coming out of slavery, out of captivity. The goal is to get to the land flowing with milk and honey. And God says to Moses, take all the people and go into the promised land. The 40 years had not been up yet. Years had gone by in the wilderness. I tried to find out how many years at this point. I could not find it because I thought that would be interesting to know. But years had gone by at this point, And God's saying, take them. I can't stand them. The only thing is you're going to go into the promised land. I will take out everybody, meaning you're going to have victory But I'm not going with you. And the people mourned. They were not excited like, yes, we get the promise. Yes, we get to go in. Why? Because they wanted his presence more. They went into mourning. Because he he said, you can go and I'll give you victory. But I'm not going with you. The Israelites knew, even though they were hard-hearted, obstinate, complaining People, they knew they could not live without the presence. They knew that even the promise could not satisfy the place of presence. The place of promise will never satisfy the place of his presence. He gives us promises But we never are meant to just go after the promise. That's not our goal. That's not what we're aiming after. We are going after his presence. We're going after who he is. And we have to learn to value him above the promise. And I was thinking about that for here where we have different visitors come in and different people come in. And we're believing for revival in Carmel. And my, my belief and my expectation for that is not lowering. It will not lower. I still believe that God's going to do that. And that is the promise here. But if I, if I don't see it, I don't care as long as we have his presence here. As long as we have his presence here, because that is the greatest gift. Moving on to verse 14. Now, if you read this whole chapter, it's all incredible. There's so many nuggets. I'm going to pull out just a couple today. Verse 14. Well, actually, Moses has this long conversation with the Lord. He goes into the tent of meeting and he says, we can't go. Without you. No, no. So he's starting to use his friendship with God to say, wait a second. We can't, that can't happen. Right? The Lord s- spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Verse 11 Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. It, yet you said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor. In my sight, verse 13, now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way that I may know you. And that I may find favor, favor in your sight and Lord, consider this nation is your people. And he said, God, and God said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. What a relief to Moses at that moment. Thus he said to him, thus Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing for you, which you have spoken for. You have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Moses said to the Lord, you can't. What distinguishes us among all the other people of the world? It was the presence of God. Israel was set apart because of God's presence. Every other nation recognized them. For no other reason other than his presence. He says your favor is shown to other people that we have your favor by your presence. It's not by financial provision. It's not by a big church. It's not by any of those things. That doesn't show the favor of the Lord. That's not what Moses saw. He said what shows that we have your favor is that we have your presence. There could be any amount of local churches that are thriving with many people and a lot of money, and they have zero presence. And yet in our American Western mindset, we look at them and say the favor of the Lord must be on them. But that's not what Moses saw. That's not what recognized Israel as being set apart. It was the presence of the living God only his presence that he did signs and wonders it's his presence that brings healing into the camp it's his presence that f- that allows for signs and wonders to take place among us it is only his presence that we find peace and rest and we know him and if we're not satisfied in that we will go after so many lesser things and we will always come up dry. We will always come up dry. May we not be like those that go after the promise instead and say, and forsake the presence and say, oh, we can have the promise earlier. Yeah, if we have to sacrifice some presents, we'll go. We will not be those people here. We will always, our gaze, we are going to strive after one thing, one thing. This one thing is what we seek after. This one thing. I know in my own life, there have been times where I've become distracted by the promise. I've become distracted by that thing that I want to attain to. And the Lord is bringing me into a place of reminder. Reminding me the one thing that matters. The one thing that will set you apart in this life. Is my presence. And we have full access. Through Jesus. Full access to his presence at all times. So why were, at, why were they at this place? We're going to look back into Exodus 32. What led God to say, I'm not going with you. Go ahead. I'm not going with you. In Exodus 32, verse 1. Moses is on the mountain for 40 days. He's going to get the commandments. Aaron is down with the people. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they gathered together to Aaron and said to him, get up, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. The waiting. Moses delayed any place of waiting or delay is a test of our faith. Waiting is the test of our faith. How does our faith get tested? When there's a delay. Are we going to continue to stay and stand our ground or will we give in to try another way? The Israelites tried another way. They couldn't. Stand the delay. Now, 40 days is a long time to be waiting for someone to come down the mountain and say, where did he go? Maybe the Lord killed him. Maybe this happened. We don't know. We're just a, a band of a million people literally in a desert and we're waiting for this guy to come down from the mountain to give us some direction. No, let's make some gods. Aaron, do this for us. And they forced Aaron. I mean, he had a choice, but they seemed like they were, like, going after him. Like, we'll kill you unless you. He should have been killed anyway. He should have said, who cares? Verse 7 through 10. The Lord speaks to Moses on the mountain. Go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf. They have worshipped it, have sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, they are obstinate people. Now leave me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make you a great nation. So Moses is up there. He has no idea what's going on down the mountain. And God obviously knows and says immediately is filled with anger. I've just delivered this people out. But what does let me leave me alone so I can destroy them and I'll make something new of you. Moses intercedes on their behalf again and says, do not blot them out. Do not destroy them. Blot my name out of the book of life and spare them. Why? Because what will the nations of the world say if they see that you brought this nation into wilderness to kill them? What will they say about you? So Moses was more concerned about the glory of the Lord, about what everyone would see than even saying, oh, yeah, that that sounds nice. Wipe out these people. You're right. They are obstinate. Make a great nation with me. That sounds great. Anyone who is prideful, had any ounce of pride or arrogance, would say, yes, Lord, I'm with you. Make a great nation with me. Wipe them out. They're too hard. But Moses doesn't say that. Again, he's imaging Jesus to us. He's he's saying this is the one that's going to come. He steps in place and says, blot my name out. Who does that? Blot my name out. That means he would spend eternity. What what Jay was speaking about of hell, Moses was saying, put me in hell and save these people instead. So that you'll be glorified. So that you'll be seen in the earth. What a love. So the Lord changes his mind. That's huge. The Lord changes his mind. Verse 26 through 25, 29. So Moses comes down, and he's angry now. He sees what's happening, and he becomes like a warrior. He starts, he takes the calf that they made. I love this picture. Think of this 80-year-old man. He was 80 years old. And he throws the calf down. He burns it. He smashes it to pieces. He sprinkles the dust on the water. And he commands all the Israelites to drink it. That's scary. He was so angry with the anger of the Lord. And he says to them, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi... Gathered together to him. Now, the Levites were the priests in the camp. And if you know, in the New Testament, we now are the royal priesthood. So they're they're reflecting the 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 priests of God. And verse 27, he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you put his sword upon his thigh, go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp and kill every man, his brother. Every man his friend and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said dedicate yourselves to the Lord for every man has been against his son and against his brother in order that God may bestow a blessing upon you today. Now, when I first read this, it reminded me immediately of the scripture in the New Testament where Jesus says that we must love him more than our families. And that's the hardest, that's probably one of the hardest commands we can come into, is to love God above those that we love the most in the earth. Imagine this God was so angry. And so jealous for their affection because their affection had turned that he said, you know what? Go kill your sons. Kill your brothers. What type of decision would you make that day? Are you that jealous for God above all other?" Above all your children, your brother, your family, your friend, those closest to you. Do you choose God above them? The Levites went out because they knew that God was above all and they had done something terrible. Now, we're not called to kill people in our families anymore, but that's the level Of Jealousy. This is an example to show this is the level of jealousy that God has for his people and for our affections. And so how his our affections had so turned to the promise to something tangible, they made a God because they needed something tangible. They needed the promise. They needed something in their midst. And we say, whoa, how could they do that? But we do it every single day. We go after an image. We go after the thing. We go after what's tangible because it's too hard to go after what's intangible, which is the presence. Sometimes this presence is tangible. We feel it not always. Sometimes it's not, and we don't feel it at all. And do we still elevate and put in first place his presence? And secondary is anything that happens in the natural around us. Whether we have breakthrough, whether we see this place filled or not, what are we going after? Am I looking for this place to be filled? No, I'm looking for his glory. I'm looking for his presence. That jealousy needs to be in our hearts. The Lord was confirming this word to me because I I was being stirred, but two weeks, or was it last week that Jay preached, right? So the day before that, we were at my sister's wedding, and I was sitting around a fire with my brother Noah, some of you know, and he leads a church as well in New Hampshire and he was asking how things were going here we were just talking about everything God was doing and he he pointed a question at me and he said Wesley I have I have one specific question for you I said okay what what's up he said have you gotten to a place that you've stopped pursuing the promise he didn't use these exact words but this is what he meant the promise and decided that it's okay to just be okay in his presence because you're, I was talking to him how we're going after the people in our community. We're loving the food pantry. I was telling him all the tangible things. And he said, well, are you seeking after those things? Are you seeking after his presence? Have you come to a place of rest to say God can do what he wants to do? And we're just here. We're just here. And I, it struck me that his question hit a deep place in me. And I thought, well, I know I've had that. Tommy says all the time, we're here because God told us to be here, period. If, there's no, if literally every single person left, Tommy and I would still be here because God told us to be here. Our commitment is unto the Lord. Because he spoke, we will obey, period. Period. And are we really at a place where we're satisfied in that? And we're so satisfied in him that it does not matter who's around us. It does not matter what's going on. Then we we had a pastor's meeting at our house. A few pastors came over. And the, the whole purpose of this group is to unify the churches, that we would start working together, getting to know each other, encouraging one another, And there was a pastor I was sharing again, and he looked at me. I mean, he's always been the debater of the group. He'll bring up very controversial things. And he looked at me and said, it doesn't matter how many people are in your church. And he just started weeping. He said, even if for one person in obedience to the Lord, it is 100% successful. It is 100% victory. Now, it's easy for me right now to say yes and amen. I started weeping with him. And he said, Would you be okay if the Lord had you here for 30 years and no one else came? Honestly, honest reality, I would struggle. I know I would have struggles. Why? Because there's something in me that's still after the promise. It's not wrong to be after the promise, but it can't take first place. When it takes first place, we get dissatisfied where we are. We get dissatisfied in what's happening around us because we're looking for something. Renee and I had a very honest conversation. It was like the third thing in a row where we were talking about the reality that we've experienced hard. It can get hard You can feel the pressure of stuff. You can feel spiritually oppression at times. That's hard. And it is in those moments that we say, what, am I dissatisfied? If it is, I have to know, did God call me here? If he did, that means I have something where I've elevated the promise above who he is. I'm going after something rather than going after him. And that other thing will not satisfy. Only God can satisfy that place in us. And we have to allow Him to expose any place in us that's striving after a thing. We must cease from striving after a thing and strive after Him, which is a place of rest. It's a place of receiving, it's a place of joy. And life, it brings life to us. And we have to choose it above anything else. In our pastor's meeting, we focused on one one passage of scripture. And I'm going to end with it today. Because it went right in alignment with everything the Lord was speaking. And it's in Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. And we know this. Oh, no, Then no, that's not. Oh, yeah. get nine. Luke 10, 38 through 42. And it's about Mary and Martha. Right. We know this story. And this is so in alignment because we just heard where God's saying you elevate me even above your family. And here are two sisters. Verse thirty eight. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She loved Jesus. Martha loved Jesus. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word, just like her right now, seated on the Lord. But Jesus was standing. He probably is right in front of her. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. And Tommy, we each had to make an observation, what, what stood out to us about this. And he said, the first thing he said hit me so hard. It said, which will not be taken from her. The preparations, the things Mar- Martha was doing, those are all temporal. They're going to fade away. We don't take any of that with us. What will not be taken away is our intimate, intimate, Relationship with Jesus, those times that we have with Him—that's what we got, we're going to carry into eternity. Only that. It will not be taken away. It cannot be taken away. We must pursue the place of sitting at His feet and presence. Whether that's here corporately. In worship, or together, or on our own, in our own time, we cannot rush ahead because of a program. If, if, if some Sunday we come to gather together, and we just say, we're going to just go for it, we're going to just worship the whole time. Or if while we're worshiping, we're just going to go there, that's what happens. It's his presence we're after. It's not a message. It's not a time frame. It's nothing. And if those are the types of things, we have to find out what is what irritates us. When do we become like Martha saying, okay, it's been 45 minutes of singing or 10 minutes of no singing and just music. I don't have the attention span to look at Jesus that long. And that might be a reality. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just showing something in us that says, Oh, well, you need to practice it more. Don't you realize that is what we'll be doing for eternity, for the rest of our lives, for all of time and beyond time. All we'll be doing is gazing at the beauty and the splendor of Jesus, worshiping him. And if it can't satisfy us now, we're going to have a big problem in heaven. If we're so, like, I have to do something, I need to work, I need to go, I need to have some this, that, and the other thing. No, we are going to strive after his presence, sitting at his feet, receiving of the goodness of the Lord, because it is what will show everyone in this community that the favor of the Lord is upon us. And when people come on the property they will know the favor of the Lord because of one thing and one thing alone, his presence. And so I'm just, this is where we're going as a community and it's been burning in my heart. The last thing I wrote here is my commitment is not dependent on you. Like I was saying before, your commitment is is not dependent on me. We together collectively are dependent on his presence and his command as what fully satisfies and sustains us in this season. And if it's not, we will not make it. We should never try to convince somebody they need to stay here. If I can convince you to stay, someone else can convince you to leave. We don't want people who have been convinced by people to be in a place. We want people held by the word of the Lord to remain. When we're pioneering in a place, it's not easy. It's hard. And we need to be convinced of the word of the Lord and satisfied in his presence, those are the only things that will keep us here. And when many people do come into this place, we must maintain that focus. And if we don't get it now, we'll miss it later. If we don't pursue it now, we'll miss it later. We will surely be caught up in the promise. We must elevate his presence in our hearts and in our minds. We must put him back in first place. So, Father, today, just say, if, if that's you, if this is something that's touching or ministering to your heart and you're saying, wow, I think some of the promise has gotten into my heart or uh, that's the become my one thing rather than his presence, if there's any place of distraction That has come up. I want anyone to just stand, if that's you, and we're going to just before the Lord confess that together and say, Here we are. Refocus us, God. Refocus us, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you today that you're showing us this, that you're showing us who you are, that you are valuable and worth high above any other thing. Lord, I'm standing here. Because I've been distracted in my heart at times by the promise. I've been distracted by activity. I've been distracted by what it looks like in the natural. And and Father, today, I want, I'm desiring myself to be refocused on you, on presence, on being okay with just being. Like Mary sitting at your feet, no need to strive, no need to push for something, but literally satisfied in being in you and being before you. And seeing your face. Father, we know that joy alone comes from this place of satisfied in your presence. In Psalm 16, it says in your presence. There's fullness of joy. It's in your presence. It's not in in blessing. It's not in any other thing. It's in your presence. There's fullness of joy. And we receive the fullness of joy today in your presence. Show us, God, specifically where we've started to look other places. Father, we want to even deny our family in order to follow you. Take us to that level of commitment. Take us to that level of love where we love you more than our own flesh and blood. Where we value you more than our own flesh and blood. Where you become the first of the first of the first. Where we put you above our spouses in our hearts, in our minds. That you are above our spouse. We love you more, God. We love you more. Thank you, Lord. Where we place you above What looks like success in the natural, we place your presence above that, God. We place waiting at your feet above that, Lord. Being, resting, knowing you. Do it in our hearts. We welcome you. I'm just praying specifically, anyone standing, God, that you would touch. You'd redirect. You'd touch the heart. You'd show it. You'd fill it, God. You're seeing each one of us standing, and we're standing saying, we want it, God. We want your presence. We want it, Lord, above anything else. All of us standing here, God, is a sign before you in heaven today that says, we desire your presence above anything else. We will not be satisfied with anything less than your fullness, God. We cannot be satisfied with anything less than your fullness, God. And here we are standing today as a sign before you in heaven alone, before your eyes alone. Fill us. Fill this place. Fill our minds and our hearts with your presence. Your presence, God. It's the only thing that will not be taken away. As the only thing that will not be taken away.